Cuphead and his Cowboy Man, they like to roll the dice. By chance they came on Devil's Game, and gosh, they paid the price. Paid the price. And now they're fighting for their lives on a mission from the Sunday Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and I just bought $20 worth of dental floss. Joining me from his palatial studio apartment here in Chicago is Brandon Shockney. Brandon, how are you? I'm well, Bill. Uh, how are you? Is that true? That is definitely true. $20. They had a buy two, get one free at Walgreens. Oh, I see. For the three packs of floss. Wow. You heard it here first, folks. Get to Walgreens. Buy some floss. You go through floss pretty quick then, or you're just going to have it forever. I feel like this is a uh, fire and forget thing. Now I fired and purchased, and now I can forget for a long time about buying more dental floss. There you go. Smart man. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any uh, shopping tips for the listeners? Well, you know what? You know what I always say? Treat yourself sometimes. You know, if there's something you want right now while you're listening to this podcast, take it with you. Travel. Go to a store. Buy yourself something nice. That is excellent advice. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That And it's good because podcasts are portable, so we are right. synergizing with some brand to be determined. That's right. As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Now, Brandon, it has been a little while since you've been on. And, uh, That's true. The only person to blame for that is me, honestly. No. Yes. Don't say that. Not, well, you know, I... Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> but... Regardless, uh, what are you playing? Um, well, uh, as you may know, a pretty big game dropped last month called Destiny 2. Are uh-huh. you aware? I have heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been playing a lot of that, uh, Destiny 2. Um, it took me away from Overwatch for a little bit, so I've been doing that. I also, uh, before I move on though... Um, some thoughts on Destiny 2. Uh, I really enjoyed the campaign. Really enjoyed everything leading up to the end game stuff. And now I'm at the point where I've hit a bit of a wall. And I can't really seem to progress. I, I can do, like, the raid is the only thing left I can really do to get the best armor, I guess, in the game. So it's, it's kind of putting me off a little bit from the game. Because I w- felt like I was doing so much with it and having a good time. And then it... Uh, almost came to a standstill where it's like there's a weekly reset you know you can do like certain stuff uh, every every week that that might give might give you good gear um, but I can finish that in a couple hours not progress really much and then I have to wait another week to do that stuff again topical question burning question what is your lights level my light level is just hit 300 that's good. Three hundo. I understand that to be good, having not played an hour of Destiny Two at all. So. Yes, uh, three hundred is pretty good. I think I, I don't know what the highest level is, um, but you gotta you gotta beat the raid to find out, which is uh, a, a very convoluted, complicated thing that you have to do now in the game. So not my not my fave. I uh, am a fan of this website, Giant Bomb, and they do lots of like streaming and stuff. They appear to have played the raid for about 20 to 24 hours over a period of three days on camera to try and beat it. If you go in without any knowledge, I don't know how you beat it. Oh, wow. Okay. Because it is so specific and convoluted that if you didn't have some sort of guide going in, it would seem impossible to me. Oh, okay. That that doesn't sound that great, to there's, be honest. There's a lot of puzzles and stuff where it's like just very specific things you have to do as a team that the amount of trial and error you would spend. I mean, the, the one time I've done the raid, it took me, it took us three hours to like get through a, a, one part of it and we didn't even beat that part of it. So we didn't get the rewards at the end of that time. And my team, like we all live lives. So we had to like go off and do other <laughs> stuff. So we Crazy. couldn't commit any more time, but you have to have a group of six ready to go. So it's just like, not the best system compared to the Destiny 1 raids, which I felt were still uh, difficult, but maybe a little more straightforward than these new ones are, than this new one is. I'm a little bit concerned about that, but 
I just played the beta uh, before you got over here. Oh, okay, uh, I just played that right. today, fresh in my mind. The beta of Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, the beta releases for everyone starting tomorrow, but I've pre-ordered the game, so I got early access to it. Uh, and it is quite fun, and I am very much looking forward to that. Good, good. I, I, I heard mixed things about the first Battlefront. Yes, I, I bought it when it was very cheap and played it, and it seemed like no one was playing it at that time because everyone had kind of given up on it. But it's just, um, it feels a little empty, maybe. Um, there's not a lot of content to it, I think, is what people's problem was with the first one. Whereas this new one, it feels like they're they're really going uh, all out with it. So there's like a campaign now. There is um, like triple the amount of worlds and game modes and things like that. So um, I played uh, a couple rounds of the Galactic Starfighter Assault. So that's the ship-only mode where you're just like in space, either on the Empire side or uh, the Rebel side, and you're just in a ship the entire time, like doing objectives and kind of like dogfighting with other players. Very, very fun. I was an X-Wing, and then I was like a TIE Bomber. Very cool. Excellent. And when does that officially release? That's a very good question. I think it's <laughs> November 17th is the release date for Battlefront 2. I'm, all, I'm very excited. I, play, I played one of the like 40v all-out match where you play um, kind of on-the-ground troops like, like invading. So I was, uh, it was, and it was during the prequel saga. So like episode one, I was one of the droid, like Roger Roger droids. Oh, and you like assault against these like early early uh clone troopers it was very very fun and so that mode accommodated 40 players yes that's crazy for uh, like that's uh i mean there have been more players in like console games but still that that's really impressive to me yeah no it 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 was it was very fun it felt very like kinetic like i would die a lot but i also felt like i was making progress too so uh there's always that that nice nice balance here I'm probably going to leave Destiny, leave Overwatch entirely, and kind of focus on that when it comes out. They've they've initiated like a, a loot system, kind of like Overwatch. Everyone has like crates now, right? That gives you new gear and stuff. Um, but uh, it it seems fun, and I, I can't wait to dive into the beta more. I think it's open until Sunday, so I'm going to be playing it. Well, maybe I should give it a look too then, if it's going to be available to everyone over this weekend. Yeah, I think tomorrow you can start downloading it. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'll give that a shot then. Yeah. Uh, anything else on your plate recently? Uh, the only other thing I'm playing is I re-downloaded on my phone uh, Spider-Man Unlimited. Have you played that at all? No, no. And uh, I am a little... I was thinking you were talking about for Ultimate Spider-Man when I was looking mm-hmm. at the notes. And that was like a like a game oh, the old... PS2 game yes. from like 10 years ago. I do like that game <laughs> a lot. Um it is one of the few good Spider-Man games, that one. But no, Spider-Man Unlimited is a uh, mobile, like, infinite runner game um, that's just Spider-Man based. So it's a very fun thing for me to play, um, like, on my way to work or on my commutes. Um, it's just, you just run around as Spider-Man. You gotta avoid, you know, like other infinite runner games, you gotta avoid obstacles. And um, what I like about it is there's... Uh, it's like all deep uh, lore Spidey stuff. So like all the Spider-Man you can unlock are like really interesting and like from all the different comics and movies and everything. Um, so you basically are just spending points to like grab costumes for your Spider-Man. Um, and it's it's a good time. I, I, I really like it. Out of all those Infinite Runner games, I think it's the most um, dynamic I, I tried playing the Sonic one. Have you played the Sonic one before? No, no. I'm trying to think of runners. I think the only ones I really tried much were uh, Jetpack Joyride. Oh, that's a good one. And uh, Robot Unicorn Attack. Oh, yeah. I like that one, too. Um, yeah, no. Uh, the Sonic one... I mean, all of these games have like little microtransactions that are like the big thing. It's like, it's a free game, but if you want stuff now... Uh, and I think that's a yeah. hard... It's a hard balance, right? Because... The game can still be fun, but if it's a game that makes it so frustrating, if you like, in terms of progression, if you don't buy something, I, I feel like Spider Man is good about not doing that. So it feels like you can still do stuff in the game without 
having to worry about buying something to progress. Um, okay, yeah, that, that's always that fine balance. Mm-hmm. Like, how much are they going to lock up the different game mechanics behind, like, jewels mm-hmm. or in-game currency versus out-of-game currency? Right. It's a delicate balance, I think. Yeah, and all in all the Marvel Noble games, it's ISO 8 is, like, the currency. Oh, yeah? It's like a crazy currency across, like, all of the games. It's like, everyone wants ISO 8. It'd actually be kind of neat if they had multiple games and you could ship currency between the games. That would be cool. Shared universe. Shared oh, mobile universe. Yes. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Why haven't they done it yet? Yeah. But we stumbled upon something great. It just would suck because like in the X-Men game, you couldn't spend the currency. Oh, right. Do it in like the Spider-Man games. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What about you, Bill? What are you playing right now? Well, I'm playing two sides of the same coin, I think. I'm playing... Mario X Rabbids Kingdom Battle for the Switch. Uh-huh. And yes. I'm playing XCOM 2 War of the Chosen on my PC. Cool. Now both are kind of like a tactical uh, strategy games where you, you got a bunch of characters on a map. It's like an, uh, you can zoom the camera around, you can move the characters around and have them shoot at guys behind cover. It's just the way they go about it is very uh, different in terms of the difficulty and the forgiveness that each offers so with like mario and rabbits they give you a lot of different checkpoints along the way so like uh, there are four worlds and each world has 10 levels every few levels your guys get all their health back and you can uh, reuse them you don't have to worry about uh permadeath like characters will get knocked out for the battle but then they'll just bounce back for the next battle which in XCOM does not happen and also in mario you you can buy weapons but it's all kind of a pretty uh, linear progression of just these weapons are just better, more or less better versions of the ones that preceded them. And you don't have to worry about like gear or much else besides that. In XCOM, you have the characters and there is permadeath. So if you're, first off, if your character takes damage, they're hurt. Which means for a certain amount of in-game time, they, they can't be used for like upcoming missions. And then if they die, they're just dead. They're gone forever. Wow. So you... Uh, We'll put a lot of time into building up these characters and then just lose them. And they're totally unreplaceable. You become invested in them. You do, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I had... They give you a story character. Her name is Elena, and she's voiced by Marina Sirtis. You know, I, I swear, they always... The Star Trek Next Generation cast must each, like have each other on, like, a group chat, and it's like, hey, I got a role in this <laughs> sci-fi thing. Let's all get in on this. Because mm-hmm. she's in it. Uh, the guy who played Q is in it. Uh, Michael Dorn is in there. Jonathan Frakes is in there. So it's it's nice. very much a Star Trek reunion. Yeah. And uh, I was sending her on a mission. At, like, she had to go into this science facility and re- uh, get a MacGuffin out of there. And, like, everyone else from the team was hanging out outside just trying to be inconspicuous. But someone tripped an alarm, and reinforcements start coming down. And so I'm like, all right, all right, I got to get this going. And so she goes to grab the vial, and that brings her out of concealment. And so a guy takes a pox shot at her and hits her. I'm like, oh, no, okay, I got to get her out of there. I got to get her out of there. I have one turn before I can – she's got a stealth ability. I got one turn to get through before the stealth ability can be reactivated. And some low-level dork takes a – far away shot and hits her and she's just dead and i've lost her forever and now i can't get to the vial that i need to finish the mission and there are way too many guys around to go back in there and into the facility to take them take it back and i just lose my entire team and without that team because unlike in mario and rabbits where you just have like a certain number of levels and in XCOM, you have a campaign going on. You're trying to retake the world from alien in the alien occupation. So when you lose all these soldiers, you can't really continue with the campaign. You can't. The difficulty of the enemies you're going to fight in upcoming missions is too high for the guys that you can replace them with. So what happens? You have to start over. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. You can. Oh wow. You can try and soldier on. Uh, the game doesn't really give you a hard game over until pretty late on. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a few different ways you can lose. It's it's kind of like a Civ game, where, like, you, you're playing for a very, very long-term victory. Yeah, I mean, it can take you 20 to 30 hours to finish the whole campaign, but you can lose by either 
they have this thing, the Avatar Project. And if they fill up all the progress on the research bar for the Avatar Project, they win right away. You can stop them. You can sabotage their efforts to bring the bar back down. Or otherwise, they, uh, they can find your ship. Your base is actually just like a giant uh, captured alien warship. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if they find you, you have to do a defense mission of your own base. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, they'll, they'll send an army to you, and you have to defend the base. And, like, I think it's actually a nice touch when they do that. Uh, in that mission, you can repurpose, like, scrap and different tech that you found into, like, defense turrets. Oh, cool. And then if you have injured soldiers, like I was saying earlier, they can get hurt, and then they're out of commission. You can pull them all out. You can use them all. Because it's like, you know, every man... Yeah, it's all for no- all or nothing. Right. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like, Mario and Rabbids is like kind of like more of a puzzle game almost, just the uh-huh. way it plays out. And then XCOM is this kind of punishing uh, <laughs> strategy game. So it's nice to be able to switch back and forth, you know, when you've had an, your fill of one. You'd be like, I can go to the more relaxed Mario game. And then when you're wanting more of a challenge, you go back into XCOM. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It, it's just more forgiving in general. Like... The aim is always either they're out in the open and it's a 100% chance to hit, they're behind cover and it's a 50% chance to hit, or they're like fully behind cover and it's a 0% chance. So you always have a general idea of what's going to happen in certain spots where mm-hmm. things might otherwise be dicey. Wow. And I, I mean, I like them both. Uh, I like uh, Mario X Rabbids. Uh, it's been a fun game to like play on the go. Such a strange collaboration, but it sounds like a successful one. Yeah, it's it is pretty weird, and, and like it's also extra weird because all the the Mario universe characters are kind of uh, like uptight or like mm-hmm. they're they're handled a little carefully, I'm guessing. But all the rabbits are always like being really goofy, and there's a lot of toilet humor associated with them. Yeah, like uh, there's a toilet spouting water, and like a Goomba is trapped on the water, like some <laughs> kind of giant like bidet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And there is there is a yeah a funny moment too when uh, you fight a, a rabid a rabid Kong mm-hmm. a, a, like so a rabid Kong like a hybrid of the rabid and a Kong not like like a Donkey Kong that's afflicted afflicted with rabies rabies right right <laughs> uh, so when you defeat the rabid Kong the ra- there's a rabid Peach oh and she starts taking selfies of the falling Donkey Kong behind her <laughs> and like in one the Donkey Kong pulls in like real close behind and like is in the selfie with her and then like goes back to falling down. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds fun. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, out of the the titles that have come out for the Switch, are you, do you put that pretty high up of the ones you've played so far? Yes. Yeah. So I like Breath of the Wild a fair bit, mm-hmm. and, I, and I like uh, I would say I like Rabbids, Mario and Rabbids about the same really. Mm-hmm. Like they do different things, and I think they're both pretty great. When are you gonna get Arms? Ooh. Um. Uh, I arms, think... Bill. Arms. I. Uh... I only have two arms of my own to play games. I, I can't commit any more arms to arms. I'm sorry to say. No arms for arms. I get it. A farewell to arms, if you will. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I I think it's a cool concept, and I think like it's really cool how into it they are with like the universe and the lore and the characters. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like a very deep game. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Like I play it once and be like, okay, I get it. That was that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So if you like yourself, I would play Mario X Rabbids, and if you hate yourself and enjoy pain, I would play XCOM 2. Or if you have a nice, healthy balance of both, get both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be the ideal situation, I right. think. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's what I've been playing, but before we go on, I would like to get back. I haven't done it in a, a little while now. All right. Bill's Magic Minute. Your Magic Minute. Yeah, so for those of you not familiar, uh, I do like Magic the Gathering a lot, but I don't know that I really have a captive audience for Magic specifically, so I limit myself to exactly one minute of discussing it. And uh, Brandon's going to time me, and when I'm done, we'll just move back to uh, talking about video games. Pop up my timer here. Awesome. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. And go. The newest expansion has just come out called Ixalan, and the idea is it's supposed to be out about, like, dinosaurs and pirates and it's and there's also like vampires in there it's supposed to be like some kind of treasure hunting kind of theme overall as but for the gameplay the gameplay has not been that strong 
I've found that a lot of the booster drafts I've done have ended up kind of samey with lots of like creatures just kind of staring at each other, not really doing much attacking or blocking, and the, the spells that surround them and the, like the mechanics of the set are pretty underpowered. Like uh, Raid and Explorer is actually really good, but Raid is pretty weak. And I, I, the, they brought back vehicles for this, and I don't find either of those to be terribly compelling. I hope that maybe there's some synergy to the cards that I haven't unlocked yet, but it just doesn't seem that they have a very high power level compared to like Kaladesh or Amonkhet or Shadow uh, like Ruin by comparison. That's it. All right, I'm out. Well done. Thank you, thank you. All right, very good. Yeah, so Brandon, let's move on to our Choose Your Fighter segment. Choose your fighter powering ah. up ah. 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 four episodes later. Ah. For this segment, Brandon and I are gonna go back and forth with one article news event or upcoming game that we're interested in until only one of us. Only one? Only in theory, only one of us <laughs> will be left standing. <sighs> the stakes are high, but the news is higher. Ooh, yes. Good. Well, well done. Very, very, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I'm going to keep the momentum rolling here. I'm yeah. going to talk about... Go for uh, it. There's been kind of an ongoing issue with review bombing. Mm -hmm. And that is a practice where when you are having an issue with a game or you want to make a statement to the developer, regardless of whether or not you like the game, uh, you go on to Steam and you leave a negative re review for the game. Now, what the way that Steam has worked in the past is they will look at the like overall sentiment of everyone who has reviewed the game and give it a different like quality, like either positive or very positive or neutral or negative or very negative. And people will go in there and leave a very negative score if there is a certain like patch that just got released that they don't like, or if the support for the game in a certain region is lacking. One example recently was that there is this uh, soccer game that came out, I believe it was called uh, Pro Football Manager, and they were going to put in Chinese language support, because, you know, soccer is or football is very big in China. And then decided, eh, we, we can't do that. We're, we're sorry, we, we are not going to be able to make that happen. And so a lot of Chinese people went on to the Pro Football Manager page on Steam and left very negative reviews saying, why didn't you uh, do that? <laughs> the thing you said you would do. Mm -hmm. And then, miraculously, it turned out they were going to make a Chinese language patch after all. Hmm. So do you think it's effective? It's definitely effective. And there's no doubt that it's effective. Uh, but do you think it's right? Well, uh, so that would be one case where I would say the ends perhaps justified the means, that there was like a promise to the consumer that was not fulfilled and they were able to extract it. Now, in this other case with the game Firewatch, recently there was a different, whole other controversy because uh, this very, very, very famous YouTube streamer, PewDiePie, uh, gave an ethnic slur, the N-word, on a stream. Oh, right. Yes, I remember that. And so the developers of Firewatch, Campo Santo, made a public statement that they are very, they were very frustrated with the way that uh, PewDiePie handled himself and that they did not want him to be able to monetize their games anymore. So they filed a DMCA complaint against PewDiePie on YouTube for using his game, their game in his like Let's Play or his, one of his like episodes. And so they, they did that. YouTube took down the videos and they were like, we're never going to monetize or allow PewDiePie to monetize one of our games again. Well, good. That's their right, I think. Uh, I mean, the, it is within their rights to do that. I, yeah. I, I think it is a, a cautionary possible. It's a risk of perhaps uh, censoring other points of view. It, it's again, I think the mean, the ends justify the means here, but it is a very blunt instrument with which to bring across your message. Mm -hmm. Because what what's to stop you know other companies from uh, uh, from filing DMCA's against other viewers? Mm -hmm. And maybe they're not as noble or as uh, justified in their interests or in, in the thing they're trying to take care of. Mm -hmm. 
So people are coming on to the Firewatch page on Steam and leaving negative reviews to express their frustration. Some of them... That are big PewDiePie fans? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, a big dumb thing is that yeah. a lot of people are uh, very supportive of PewDiePie and his efforts to be uh, very racist and uh, not yeah. insensitive to other ethnicities. PewDiePie is the worst. I, I mean, fine, he's an entertaining gamer, but... I saw the clip. I saw what he said. Uh, I wouldn't support him either on it if, if my product was being associated with him. Like, uh, you know, I, I think whatever the Firewatch team did, that's within their right. And people need to respect that and not leave terrible reviews on a game just because their favorite YouTuber was denied something it's like sorry this is how this guy makes his living right like he needs to be careful and maintain a certain quality of what he says if that's like his job basically because he's like you know it's not just him he's also playing kind of representing in a certain amount like these titles and like you know if if he's plays that then those games are then associated with him and like you know it gets messy so i understand the response on their part um and i'm sure there's issues with like censorship and things there right of being able to like what should you police for someone to display on their youtube channel but hey if this person's making money off of it you know you you have uh, a way you want to do business i think that's i think that's okay to um distance yourself from that person if they're not representing your values as a company i i agree and and definitely uh, companies are within their rights to do that, and I do, I do not support PewDiePie. I, right. I think it's very uh, it, it's so important because he speaks to young people. Mm-hmm. A lot of his fans are adolescent or pre-adolescent, and they. If you were to take, I, I mentioned this in a previous podcast episode. If you were to take sincerely his arguments that he was being satirical or he was. Exp- Expressing himself in frustration, which are BS arguments. Yeah. A child does not understand the situation on that level. Or or even if they if they do understand, this argument now gives them the what the excuse to be like, oh, PewDiePie did it, I can do it too, because I'm just being frustrated when I say it. It's like that's not it's not a good excuse. And you you PewDiePie does have a obligation I think, uh, in his position to know that he is influencing other people and people that, you know, are like kind of the next generation of gamers or streamers or whatever. Um, he's in a leadership role there, uh, to us in a sense, right? Yes. Like, so I, I think that's something to be mindful of. And certainly we shouldn't allow our, our leaders in any industry in, in the gaming streaming industry to, um, represent, something that is you know um against uh inclusion and against like diversity and against race and like uh he's he shouldn't be he shouldn't have the the viewership that he does if he's gonna be saying stuff like this or if that's the type of person he is i i don't think he should have that following um but it's it's a tricky thing it's a tricky thing i I, that bums me out the review bombing thing that's that's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that PewDiePie is a symptom, and the cause is the tech platforms such as YouTube and Twitch. Steam. And Twitch, yeah. yeah. Uh, tw- Twitch is a whole other thing because they don't even legislate that. Like, they don't do copyright complaints or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, like, with regards specifically to, like, YouTube and Steam, a lot of their services appear to be automated in the way that they handle uh, channels and the way they handle harassment. Like, I mean... It's almost, we're numb to the fact that YouTube comments are a cesspool of hatred. Oh, like, yeah. Like, we just take it for granted. Like, mm-hmm. we've been a lot around long enough that it's just like, that's how it is. Right. And people, the way that they handle, like, the DMCA complaints, where it's just like, they automatically take down whatever it is, regardless of what it is, uh, that is not a viable strategy forever. Because there are uh, instances we've seen of monetization being denied to uh, people of LGBTQ orientation because their material has been deemed sensitive mm-hmm. by some automated system 
and not by a person. And then if you also look at Steam with their review bombing, they could curate their reviews more carefully. They could review, they could curate the library of games available on Steam more carefully, but they leave it up to the people. They offload that responsibility to the consumer. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, they give, they give, they endow the consumer with power, like review bombs. If they were more hands-on, they could prevent or at least mitigate some of these situations that pop up. Right. No, I agree. There's there's certainly, I think, actions that can be put in place to um, help manage this, but it sounds like those actions would require money and time and more people, uh, and probably those are things that companies, a lot of companies, are unwilling to do. Um, so because of that, I, I, I don't know if we'll see change. I would hope we would see change. Um, but yeah, it sounds like it's going to just be chalked up to like, this was a crazy instance. Let's just go back to what was working. Brandon, what do you got to talk about? Um, well, mine's a totally different subject. As you know, um, I like film. And uh, sometimes film and games, those things, they cross over. Um, so I noticed... The Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I want to talk about that. Um, Because Sony Pictures Animation dropped it. They were like, we've sunk too much money into this. We're already seeing a loss on it. We don't want it. They gave it to Paramount. Paramount picks it up. The same creative team apparently is still in place. Um, But my question to you would be, uh, so I just find that very interesting that it goes from one studio to another. The director is still in place. I forget the director's name. The producer is Tim Miller of um, Deadpool fame. Um, he is he is producing this live action hybrid Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Uh, that is that is crazy. So uh, my my question to you is: Do you think Sonic the Hedgehog? The upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which is probably one of the more high-profile, classic, iconic characters in the gaming world. Do you think this will be a success? Do you think it has the uh, ability to kind of turn things around for video game adaptations? I mean, we don't know too much about it yet. um, But what do you think about a big studio uh, taking on uh, a live-action Sonic movie? I wish them the best of luck. I don't think they're <laughs> going to succeed, though. Yeah. Well, um, we have Tomb Raider coming out this next year. Um, and people are kind of hopeful about that. Um, I've seen the trailer. I'm not so sure. <laughs> uh, it really makes me think of the old ones. Um, but uh, I, I just I wonder, because, you know, so why live-action hybrid is such like a crazy thing to me, right? Like, when has that ever worked in <laughs> in, uh, in Roger movies. Rabbit? Roger Rabbit. Be, besides, yeah, the classic Who Framed Roger <laughs> Rabbit. When have we been able to so like perfectly capture that? Um, you know, when you think of the last ten years, it's always like the Smurfs movie and like uh, the upcoming like Peter Rabbit adaptation we're getting of this live action hybrids that look like they're really not paying attention to the source material at all. Um, so my, my follow-up to you would be, uh, if, if you could have an ideal video game movie, and maybe let's not even limit it to Sonic, what would you adapt? Woof, okay, that, that is a, a lot, man. It's a loaded question, <laughs> but it's something I'm curious Okay, uh, I mean, my, the first place my head went to is yes. a Final Fantasy film. Uh, Ooh, we so. did get one. Yeah, we did. We sure got one. The spirit's within. Uh, I think, if I can kind of stall a little bit here, I think the issue that a lot of video game films have is that they're trying to develop a narrative around a feeling. Mm -hmm. Because when you play games, you're not necessarily playing because of the story and because of the characters. You're playing because of the agency you get and the feeling that agency gives you. Now... The Resident Evil films have somehow managed to be financially successful, but I don't think that has anything to do with the actual franchise. I mean, no. those games are built around a suspenseful feeling that you get. 
which you can find in horror films that is translatable, but it has nothing to do with the Resident Evil films that we actually see. And actually, the Resident Evil franchise, uh, having watched all of them, I've seen all of them in a day. I'm sorry. Um, is more of an action franchise, even more than horror, right? They, they've not, not even leaning into that uh, aspect of what the, made the game so engaging, which was uh, a horror element. It's not really present in the movies. So it's like, how how faithful should you be? Like, uh, you know, when we hear about like an Uncharted movie, do, you, do we just want the Uncharted movie to be a version of this game story? Or are we supposed to take elements for like inspiration? Like, I, I don't know the right balance. We saw Warcraft kind of delve really deep into the lore of the games, but kind of do like a prequel style to like what we know in the games um which was not successful uh even though i kind of liked warcraft than most people um so i just i just don't know like assassin's creed tried it last year and was very much like just kind of using the inspiration and not necessarily telling the same story um so i i don't know how you do it like it should it just be a straight adaptation here it is just like in the video game um or should it just be uh the dna if you will I mean, I don't think, yeah, like a straight ad- adaptation would work either. Like, if you took if you took Uncharted 4, just took all the cutscenes, spliced them together one after the other, and put that out as Uncharted, the Nathan Drake Adventures in theaters, that would be pretty rough, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Like, because there is a, a quality of writing, I think we grade on a scale with most uh, video game scripts where they go heavily into narrative that would not be appreciated as much on the uh, mm-hmm. on the silver screen, if you will. Yeah, I think if you have you played the Ratchet and Clank remake, um, I have not. I have seen the movie, however. See, that's weird because they took cutscenes of the film and put them into the game. Oh, weird! And does it work for the game? No, oh. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's uh, it's very jarring, and it's it, the story is really bad too. Like mm-hmm. really, really. Juvenile, in the, not the, in the toilet humor way, but in like the most basic elementary plot you could imagine. Oh, yeah. The movie is bad. Very bad. Very, very, very bad. Um, so, so going back to, um, I guess, my, my original question, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, this live-action adaptation, like, I'm sure we can get... Do you think that's something like a game like that? That it's it can be kind of captured, uh, like the feeling of playing Sonic the Hedgehog in like a two-hour movie. Let's be real, an hour and a half. Movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I mean I don't think so because that's what what are you thinking about when you're playing Sonic? Really, are you really thinking about how Sonic is gonna? fight Robotnik to free the animals? Are you really thinking about, like, the environmental messages that are imbued in, like, that theme? Are you worried about Tails? When Tails goes off screen, are you like, oh, man, I hope Tails is okay? No, you don't care. (laughs) You don't care. I mean, uh, it's just, I don't know that that can really be... You could do it. You'd be starting from scratch, though. You're, you're, You're building your universe. You might as well not have the Sonic franchise involved. You're just building a whole new... A thing right oh absolutely because we have this we have that tv show that was running it might still be running that sonic boom tv series yeah that's like fully animated and even that had to change so much from the source material like the characters don't even look the same right uh they made like knuckles like a dummy and uh tails uh some sort of like tech wizard and uh sonic and they all have like crazy bandages around their hands and feet like for no reason but to be different than the the video game um so like i i don't know i would love like i love the sonic games as a kid i really love the character i read the comic books so i know there's material there but i just can't imagine it in a live action setting it seems like it's going to go for like the uh lowest common denominator in terms of humor and in terms of like storyline it's just gonna try to appeal to the very young kids and not um, really offer anything that we find in our like high quality Disney, you know, animation uh, movies. Um, so I don't know. I I don't either. It's it's very difficult. Like even with, with that Sonic Boom you cited, uh, that is like it's almost like a sitcom. Yeah, it, it's like the way it's set up as a TV show. Uh, let me ask you this question: Like, mm-hmm. how many times in video games can you remember instances of 
more than two characters, you can include your player character as one, having a conversation. Man, outside of like Uncharted? Yeah, like... And maybe, uh, maybe like, like The Last of Us? Like The Last of Us, Bioware games? Yeah. And like most of the time, those are going to be like, uh, you know, laying down the platform for the plot. Like right. not actually in delving into character relationships. Mm-hmm. It'll be like... All right, guys, we're gonna go in there and blow up the bank, right? And stuff like that. <laughs> or, or like, uh, what, what's so unique about video games is, is you know, you have those dialogue like as you're as you're playing in a lot of those instances. So as you're kind of like walking around looking at uh, looking for like items or whatever in The Last of Us, you and Ellie are talking, and it gives a sense of like uh, immediacy there because you're in control of your character, and while the conversation's happening, you're doing other things. So it just gives you a different feeling than opposed to being like just watching a movie and seeing the scene kind of like play out in front of you. There's like another aspect to it um, in video games when conversations happen during gameplay or uh, like narration or voice work like happens while you're also kind of interacting with it. Um, it's That's always so interesting to me and you can't capture that in a movie, right? And a, and a, I, I admire them to tr- like try to adapt these things, but I honestly never want to see an Uncharted movie. I don't want to see a Last of Us movie. I don't need to, right? Because if you if you want that experience, just play the video game. Always, 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 always. Yeah. Like, if you want that experience, yeah. just play the video game. Um, you're not going to get more out of the movie. It'll always be less. Um, Prince of Persia. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you're trying. You're. You're trying so hard to adapt what exactly into a film. Like, think about some of the biggest flops, like Mario Brothers. Like, what in the world does the Mario Brothers film have to do with Man, anything in Mario Brothers? I watched that movie a lot as a kid, let me tell you now. I mean, watching it now, it's insane, but I watched yeah. it a lot as a kid. Yeah, it's that was almost like they're they're in the red and green because you know they need to be. Like, there's no, like, necessary reason for it to happen there's a mushroom we managed to get a mushroom in it you know it's like so like pieced together like we don't know we'll we'll, the very basic plot and we'll throw in all the elements from the game in it that's what people want right yeah yeah it's like not really i mean you know if i think about it the movies that the video game movies do the best job uh of actually conveying some of the game are like Mortal Kombat or like Dead or Alive or Street Fighter because there is kind of a rough translation between a fighting game and like a kung fu or like a martial arts action film. Mm-hmm. And there is like a campiness to both that they're able to translate. Like there are some like charming moments in Street Fighter. I don't know if they were all intentionally charming, but they are pretty good if you with the lens of perspective on it. Yeah, because, I mean, those those movies play out... You know, you, you watch movies that play out like video games, right? Like, you watch The Raid, which is, like, a very basic plot, just kind of interspersed with, like, big action set pieces or, or elongated, like, fight sequences that feel very, like, gamey. Like, they're like, he's going to the next level, right? Yeah. And, uh, uh, but that... So I, I think, like where Mortal Kombat kind of makes that transition easier um, because it's kind of, like, within the, the like, plot of the movie. It's just, like, you go to the next stage. This is in the movie. It's also in the video game. Um, yeah, and you can't do that with a lot of those narrative-based games because yeah. it, it doesn't translate. It's like a 13-hour game. How do you condense that down into a two-hour movie and keep all the substance in, like, emotions attached to it i don't know how you do that that was always my my personal idea of how the last airbender could have been saved is if they had just made it like have you watched avatar the last airbender yes i watched the whole original series yeah so you take just the first two episodes where they introduce ang in the village and zuko make that the film mm-hmm. that's the film the whole thing is those first two episodes where you meet ang you'll find out about his past you meet zuko and all that that is it then you can do the second film about his trip to the northern the North Pole. Right. And then you can just build from there. Yeah. Like, by trying to capture everything into the one film. Into one book. Book one of water or whatever into one film. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's one of those cases where it's like, it just works better as a TV show. You need the time for it, right? Like, a, 
like a, a movie adaptation. It's like you, it should have just been a live action like series on on HBO that's eight episodes, right? Yeah. Each each season, and we could have each eight episodes cover like a book, um, you know, or or like you said, you know, and I think Hollywood has a better understanding of how to handle franchises because that's like we do so much of them now that maybe if we were to do this now it would be less rushed with like an airbender movie it'd be like let's just plant the seeds for our avatar shared universe because everything's a shared <laughs> universe and then if it goes well then we can create like a zuko movie and like a you know and then they can all come together at the end or something um but i could see them doing something like that now if they tried to tackle that again now, Brandon, I do think I owe you an answer. What video game would yes. I uh, was it? Would I like to see, or do I think could be made? Uh, no, I, I think your ideal that like, you would like be first in line with your purchase ticket to see it. If okay. It was made. Um, I would really like to see a Final Fantasy VI film. Ooh, six! I've never played six, and I I like six in particular because they have several different protagonists throughout the game who have different arcs and there's no i mean of course there's no way you could condense it into like a two-hour film but like i think there there's a lot of different uh plot elements going on and there are chapters to the story and different uh big conflicts and climaxes all the way through that you could really build something neat they even have the thing where like you split up and you see three different uh, journeys for the different parties. And I think that translates the film pretty well because you can just cut between them mm -hmm. and just show, or, or if you think one's boring, you just skip it. And it's like, hey, we're here now. Right. Uh, and I would really like to see that. I, I, I think they can do something pretty cool with Final Fantasy VI if they were patient. I like that. That's a good pick. I think the easiest to translate, I'm going to go for that too, would be like The Legend of Zelda. Oh, right. Well, that that's tricky, though. Would you have him talk? Uh, I think I'd have him talk, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think you could do it without him talking, but mm -hmm. I, I think the basic hero's journey that is Every's game... Right. It's, it's pretty translatable. Yeah. You just condense it down to, like, one quest, right? Yeah, and yeah. And just have it be that. You know, you know what game I would pick? Um, I would pick Overwatch. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. because, like, this, what Overwatch has over, over those others is, like, it's all these great characters that we don't really know anything about, right? I mean, we know some stuff about them, but it's not explored in the game. So you would explore it in, like, a film. Like, and they've already done those, like, short films, but can you imagine the, like, feature film of Overwatch and you follow, like, have Tracer kind of be your main character and kind of have everyone on the Overwatch team, like, around it and kind of, like, side roles or something uh, and have the, you know, um, like, Reaper and, like, all those characters kind of, like, the main antagonists and just, like, play out, I don't know, a story, like, one mission or something. Uh, but I, I think that an, an, a fully animated, like, two-hour Overwatch movie, I would, I would eat that up because it's not something I got out of the game but I feel the presence of those characters and the personality there. I think it could translate really well to a film. Yeah, there, there's a lot of likability to those characters that is present even uh, outside the combat. Like, they banter back and forth. There's, I mean, all this fan continuity that's been built up already. Mm -hmm. You could totally rip that off and right. put that in the movie. That's not... That's not illegal. You don't get a DMCA strike for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think they could do it. Uh, so I that that's would be. I don't think it'll ever happen, but that would be my ideal. Um, that's always that's always been my theory is that um, when we hit like year three in Overwatch, we're gonna get a campaign mode um, one of these days. I would really like to see that. Uh, there's just I have so many questions about what is actually going on mm -hmm. in the present day in the Overwatch universe that I really yeah. want to know now. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many great characters. I just want to see, like, you know, I, I think making one of them kind of central, uh, probably Tracer, uh, being, like, the central character w among the team. Just, like, have everyone interact. I want to see, like, Winston and Zenyatta, like, goof around. Yeah. Like, you probably couldn't give every character a moment to shine. You probably have to, like, have them, some of them just show up in a group shot. Right, right. Or, or a lot of the characters can just be, like, 
I feel like Torbjorn you could just kind of use as like a consistent joke throughout the movie, right? Or something. Um, or a lot of the characters are more mysterious. Maybe you don't learn about like Genji or you don't learn about Hanzo because there's like, but you can get the sense or the vibe that there's something between them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious as to how that, how that would go. But I think if you focus on like a central few, um, that would that would work best. Or it could maybe even be like, maybe some of the team isn't there or some of the team isn't like captured or something. So you have to focus on like a smaller group um, to, to break out the rest of the team and then they break them out and then there's a big kind of third act brawl at the end between everyone. That would be awesome, yeah. yeah. And you could even go back and do a prequel of like before Overwatch splits go, up. And... Right? It's good stuff. Yeah. Right itself, it's a whole franchise. We'll make millions with our Schmolver Swatch. Schmolver Schmatch film. Yes. Yep. Pitching it. Pitching it. <laughs> well, Brandon, uh, after some neck cracking and some uh, think backing, oh, yeah. I got to uh, say, this is a draw. <gasps> both of us will get to live until tomorrow. Man, lucky me. It's, we'll both be able to play Battlefronts. And I think that's yes. enough of a gift that we should try and keep on living. That's right. You know what? You're right. I like the way you think. Thank you. Thank you. I I find very small, small reasons to keep going on. That's right. <laughs> Little small victories. That's what matters. Yes, please. Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Brandon, if you want people to find you either online or in person, where can they find you? Well, you can find me a few different ways. Uh, me and my buddy, John Pernasek, are currently working on a new podcast. Uh, we previously uh, collaborated on How Rude, the Full House podcast. Uh, now we have a podcast called At The Trailers, which analyzes the movie trailers that have come out every week. It comes out on Mondays. You can find it on iTunes. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and a Twitter uh, page as well. Um, it's at the trailers pod on Twitter. Uh, and then I'm on, I'm personally on Twitter. You can find me at B double E shock. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yes. Thank you, Bill. This is always great. You're welcome. My, my pleasure, man. Uh, <laughs> as for us, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. We're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and re- review or download from Spreaker, from YouTube, from SoundCloud. We are on Twitch, twitch.tv slash so many bits. I play games on there. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other quality podcasts. Support independent art. The spirit of Dell compels you. All praise to Dell. Thank you, Dell. Chains.